0: Five scores! Rick 5 We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick five Jerry
1: Gooden. Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're
0: going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs Fan. Hello Canada and hockey fans of the United States and
1: Newfoundland, And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas.
0: Welcome everyone to episode 102 of the Squid Milk, and Leaf Fan Show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Least fan. Joining me as always, my winger Ricky Squid vibes Squid, how are we keeping?
1: Well, today I feel about as old as our episodes 102.
0: <laughs> you, you know that's a rhetorical question, by the way. You know, you're not really supposed to answer you're just
1: to fine and move on. <laughs> well, I gotta be honest. I mean, I'm tired today and Anyway, I'll be fine.
0: Okay, good. I mean, that's getting a long weekend. Uh, you know, play a little bit of hockey. So you're all set. You're ready to go.
1: Yeah, I got I got another busy week this week, and uh well, right up until after the first week of December, we're gonna be playing a lot of hockey and traveling and uh off to Halifax in November. Uh it's crazy. So, but anyway, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, there's the actually they were that our, our listeners aren't for surprise because you and I could be playing a game together December the third if all things work out and you really will be my winger that day so hopefully we'll see what happens and you'll fill it that night for sure you'll get so many lights they'll be calling you back to come and play <laughs> so now on that cheery note our guest today Squid very pleased to have this have her by the way comes from a very elite hockey background not only her father but her grandfather. She's the granddaughter of a uh, leaf legendary cap and maple leaf, George Armstrong. She played at Harvard. So Squid, as I mentioned to her off the air, she's already, we're already brain challenged with that coming oh, on absolutely. here. Right? Okay, so that that's definitely a problem for us right off the bat. So better, don't get any too tough questions or anything that <laughs> requires brains because we're going to be in big trouble. She played four years for the Toronto Royals, currently uh, working on a PhD at Western, which makes us even more scary for you. And I. I don't know how she does all this. So without further ado, let's please welcome Kelly Armstrong. Kelly, thanks for joining us, and how you doing?
2: I'm great. How are you guys?
0: Well, we're doing pretty good. I, now you played with these guys. Let, maybe fill the listeners in what you did this last weekend. You uh, play a little hockey with some of the Leafs alumni.
2: Yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was really lucky to be invited by the Leafs alumni to go on their uh, northern trip up to. Uh, con First Nation, and uh, we had a great time there. And then we spent uh, yesterday in in Cochrane, and um, well, I guess the day before it feels like yesterday. But um, (laughs) (laughs) um, no, I had a great time, and I had the opportunity to meet to to meet uh, Squid here, and uh, I I sat behind him on the bus, so we had some we had some excellent conversations, and uh, he told me some some great stories. So it was it was an absolute honor to be amongst us. Some leafless Leaf Legends this weekend.
1: Well, we uh, we enjoyed having her with us for sure, and uh, uh, yeah, we did have a lot of good conversations. And of course, she went to Harvard, and I told her I didn't even finish high school, so <laughs> I'm I'm way behind her now.
0: <laughs> well, we know that's great. Okay, so both of us are in the same boat. Boat, you know. Kaylee's taking pity on us today, so she's going to keep it. Try to keep it simple for us, okay? Because now. <laughs> We would we, be I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your grandfather. I mean, he was a beloved figure in Toronto. I got to know him fairly well through a number of events at our place, which you happened to be at one time, which was terrific with your whole family. And that's how we initially met. Um, I got to say, the first time I met him, you know, we always talked about him not wanting to speak very much and didn't want to speak publicly. The door opened to our house and he didn't stop talking for two and a half hours. <laughs> And you kids are all walking around looking at him and they, like it was nothing. I'm there with my mouth open looking at my wife Deb, and I'm saying, I thought he didn't speak. He hasn't stopped <laughs> from the day the do- from the minute the door opened. But I can tell you the one moment I just I just want to share this with the listeners also. We hosted a couple of Marlboro Memorial Cup reunions. And the last one, he came to them, of course. And the last one, he was sitting in a chair right by, you know, where the stage was. And, you know, his team had won and all the players were there. He, we were asking some of the guys to come up and speak the captain, like Bruce Boudreaux actually just going to have him come up. And then he said, he stood up and said, I've been here enough to know that Michael asked me to say a few words. Mike, I'm ready this time and pulled out a written speech. Now, <laughs> he walked to the front of the room and I watched the, the body language of the players around <laughs> the room. And everybody from Mike Kitchen to Boudreaux, just like Ken Goldup and Mark How before him, when we held the reunion for them a couple months before, they were whole, hanging on to every one of his words, and I'm telling you, you could hear a pin drop in the room. It was, I mean, the admiration that these general affection, admiration these players had for this man was surreal.
2: Yeah, no, Mike, it's it's funny. My dad, I believe my dad was yeah. there for those. Memorials, yes, he was, uh, and and he he told the story the same. Like you know, he had to like wrestle Grandpa into the car from home. Like he didn't want to go. He's like, we're going. And they, he put grandpa put up a fight. He's like, I'm not going. I'm not going. And Dad's like, get in the car. <laughs> so he had to wrestle him to get there in the first place. But just like you said, as soon as as soon as he's there and he, he's in the moment, then uh you know everyone is just so drawn to him. And then obviously the stories come out and, and uh and he gets chatting. But uh it's ju- it's just getting him there was, was always the hardest right. part, but but uh we no, knew he, that. I know event, so <laughs>
1: Last your experience with the Chief. Oh uh every time I, I met him, I mean it was incredible. And uh but the biggest one was when I got drafted by the Marlies in oh boy, when would that have been? Like 74, maybe or 75? 73,
0: 75, yep.
1: Yeah, and George and Johnny Bauer came to my house to try and talk me into go play for the Marlboros, and I was like I'm sitting in my house with my parents George Armstrong, Johnny Bauer and I'm I'm sitting there going holy cow like what are these guys doing here like I'm I was floored really when they they arrived at my place and I I was honored actually that they came to try to talk me into going there and unfortunately I ended up going to Sherbrooke uh, which I thought was the best opportunity for me and it turned out that it was so uh, you know I would have loved to have been in Marlboro but they also won a Memorial cup the year before. And I thought, Hey, eh, you know what? I'm probably better off going to Sherbrooke. And like I said, it all worked out pretty darn good. So I can't complain.
0: Well now Kaylee, as a child, when did you finally realize you had a famous family member?
2: <laughs> oh, I mean it pretty, pretty early on. I mean, uh, I obviously grew up a Leafs fan and, uh, um, but, but what, what I, what I always say is like, I, obviously I knew who grandpa was and, and I mean, as a kid, you don't fully understand, you know, you know, how, how, how big he was, but, uh, you know, we didn't, grandpa didn't talk much hockey around us. Like in, you know, in, in my early life, he was just, you know, like the greatest grandpa kid could ask for. He's just a goof. I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen his humorous side, <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. um, We just absolutely loved him. Like all the grandkids just absolutely loved him. And he was, uh, he was the best grandpa ever.
1: (laughs) Did he ever pull his, did he ever pull his, uh, pull out his false teeth in front of you?
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. (laughs) All the time.
0: (laughs) We did that at the draft table one year with the Leafs.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which was classic.
2: Yeah. Um, They they caught it on camera. It was perfect. That was
0: one of the best. Now, um, Kelly, um, first off, like you were, you, you're, you're just, a, you're a great athlete as a young kid, but let's just, how did you get started in hockey?
2: Yeah, I, well, I, you know, like obviously like I grew up idolizing grandpa and, uh, I, I wanted to be a hockey player, but I, I started in figure skating. Like girls hockey wasn't, wasn't as big as now when I first started. And so, um, I, I got into figure skating right away, which I'm super thankful for, for because I mean, Rick might disagree. He saw how much of a bad skater I am this weekend, but figure figure, figure skating helped me kind of, kind of get into it and become a good skater. And then by the time I was like seven or eight, I was like, it just wasn't for me, you know, like putting on the dresses and the makeup and the, you know, I was, and I, I, yeah, I, I was more of like a gritty kid. So I, I started playing hockey and I actually played my first year in Leeside, uh, which is where my grandpa lives. So, uh, I, I played right around the corner from his house at Leeside Gardens my, my first year. And so I loved it because I got to spend weekends at Nanny and Grandpa's and play hockey. And so uh, that was just such a great experience for me. And uh, from there, you know, the, the rest is history, <laughs> I guess. Wow, well,
0: he must have taken it to play shingy at the Talbot Park in the uh, remember the outdoor rink there.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were we, we, we were there a bunch as kids. Um yeah, like skating with him was was so cool. He still he still had the same skates he wore in the '60s when he'd come on the ice with us. And so just seeing him in in, in his old skates and uh, we had we would have some family Christmas parties and you know break out in a shinny and and he was still so good, like <laughs> like he could still like you know move the puck around us and it was hard to get the puck off him. So no, really really good memories as a kid with 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 my grandpa for sure.
0: Wow, there's a story well, about- that.
1: Oh, Speaking hockey, Kaylee, like when, at what point did you think, okay, this could be something that I could get a scholarship or I could,
2: yeah. you know, do
1: something really good with by playing this game. At what point, you know, did you figure that, okay, this is going to be good for me?
2: I think uh, by the time I was around 14, 15, I started to really be like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not so bad at this game. And, um, I mean, I just, I, I always had that, like, I guess, I guess a passion that was just, I would call it like natural. Like I wasn't forced to love the game at all. (laughs) I just, I loved it. And, um, um, I guess like I had a little bit of, you know, my grandpa's competitive edge. And so, um, yeah, by the time I was playing junior hockey in Toronto and in, uh, Uh, Bantam and Midget, I, you know, I started to be like, you know what, I I guess I can, you know, maybe, maybe do something with it, with this. But scholarships at the time for girls, like my parents had no idea that that was an opportunity. And I didn't really understand it either the same way that I think uh, girls youth do now today, which is, which is really cool. But um, I think when some of like the universities came knocking at the door, sending stuff in the mail, we were, we were were quite shocked. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, your dad had a good background too. Your dad was a player
0: and your dad played in Sweden. So, you, you know, you, you, I mean, obviously he knows some of the ropes of that too. But okay, I mean, you played, you were, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you're a great athlete growing up playing softball, soccer, volleyball, like base skate, and then track and field and hockey. Like, how did you, we saw he distinguished hockey, but how was it Harvard? Like, and how did you maintain the marks you must have maintained to get into Harvard? <laughs> My mom. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Countless hours at the kitchen table with my mom making sure I was doing my homework, which I, I'm so thankful for her for that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I just, you know, like I just, you know, I was lucky to, to do well in school. And so, um, you know, when Harvard actually the coach, it's funny when you said, uh, Rick, that, uh, my grandpa and Johnny showed at your door. Cause back then, like, you know, well, back when I was playing universities would do home visits. I, I'm not sure they do it as much now, but so we had, uh, we had harvard was i guess interested in me as a player and so uh their their head coach katie stone who's like a to me a world-renowned female coach she's one of the best uh kate came to my door with uh the assistant coach uh uk and uk knew my knew my dad from playing in sweden which was hilarious and he remembers seeing my dad uh as a kid playing and so they came they came to my house and my mom had the whole setup for them and a funny story about that was, uh, of course, my parents were nervous, because for them, it was like, holy like holy shit, Harvard's here? Like, Harvard wants our kid. <laughs> and so they were super ner- nervous, and my mom's a little bit of a klutz, and the phone rang. And so we have Katie Stone at the table, and and UK's there, and uh, the, the phone rings, and so she goes to, like, grab the phone, and as she's running to get the phone, she trips over, like, UK's, like coaching bag and like goes down like hard on the floor boom and they're both looking like oh my god oh my god and me and my dad burst out in laughter and uh because they didn't know how we were going to react we start like killing ourselves laughing and she starts yelling at me she's like kaylee i told you to put your bag away she never listens to me and uk was like miss armstrong like i'm so sorry like that was my bag and and so so that was that was a good story from uh for in, in in terms of my recruitment but i think uh that was a great visit. And I think once uh, they got to like know my family, you know, it was, uh, I, I was, what once they came to the house, I was like, I got to go here. I mean, I, I loved coach stone and, uh, like who going to Harvard, there's no way I would get in if I wasn't a hockey player. Right. So I was, I was, I was super thankful that, uh, that they took a chance on me. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, well, I think it, I, I think that's a pretty good place to go. I think if you, if you want to <laughs> learn something and, uh, Uh, but like, how did you, did you find it difficult playing hockey and going to a big school like Harvard to maintain your grades or did that just come easy to you? It, it,
2: it definitely didn't come easy. Like, um, like I remember like coach, coach would say like coach stone, she was like, the hardest part is getting in. And once, once you're in, then like you, you can do it. And it was, it was really hard for me to get into Harvard. Like I had to, I, uh, I'm not like a complete brainiac. So it, it, at first when I applied, my, uh, test scores weren't high enough. And so I had a chance to like go to another school, like another school that was recruiting me or coach was like, listen, like, if you want to try to get in again, like I will give you the year you got to like work your ass off and like, I'll take you the next year. And so I was lucky, like she took that chance. So I spent a whole year, like just studying for my SATs. And, uh, and so I, yeah, I just studied my, yes. my butt off. I play, I played another year of junior hockey and I was lucky to, uh, get the test scores to get in and, and they brought me in the, the year after. And, uh, so they, they literally took a chance on me, which was really cool. And, um, so it was really hard to get in. And then once I was in Rick, like, um, you know, everyone's kind of in the same, you know, mind frame. So like, after practice, the whole team goes to the dining hall and we're all doing work together. So, you know, just being a member of the team made it easier to, you know, stay, you know, in an academic mindset because everyone was doing it. It was like hockey school, hockey school, hockey school. And so um, once I was in there, it was, it was much easier for me, not like I was like an incredible student or anything, but, (laughs) but it was easier because all my teammates were doing it too. Right. So I just kind of tagged along.
0: Well, our old buddy Brian Burke lets us know about He goes to Harvard all the time, too. So, you know, you can brag about it a little bit, Kaylee. You know that, <laughs> that is quite an accomplishment, all right? Now, but speaking of Harvard, speak to the athletics at Harvard because, I mean, the first thought that anybody, when that name is mentioned, athletics is, isn't what you hear. Now, if you're of the vintage of Rick and your parents and me, you remember Ryan O'Neill and Ali McGraw in Love Story. <laughs> and yeah. at Harvard, so... That's about the extent of my knowledge of Harvard sports at that time. And I thought that was pretty I, I don't cool. remember
1: I don't remember that, Mike.
0: <laughs> oh, come on. Squid, you were at the premier. <laughs> but no, but talk about what people misunderstand about how good the sports really is.
2: Yeah, no, I th- that's a great like comment, Mike. Like I think it is definitely misunderstood how good athletics are and and it's um it's quite amazing to see how good the athletics are because they, they struggle to get athletes in with, you know, with the, the grades to, to enter on the academic side, obviously. Right. But no, like just the, the level of prestige um, I felt being a member of like the Harvard athletic department was just, it's like, it's incredible. I mean, I I would speak to it. Like it's it, for me, it's like playing for the Leafs. I mean, you're playing Mm -hmm. for like such a, a, you know, a, a great legacy and, and a, a great uh, you know tradition, and uh, you know the Leafs you know are, are just such a huge thing. And I, I felt the same way at Harvard. Like I was like, oh holy, I'm playing for like this incredible historical institution. With the, you know, like the the people that have come through here are incredible. And Harvard hockey itself is just um, you know the 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 athletes that have gone through there and and their accomplishments as Olympians and and what they're doing today is is so cool to see. So. Yeah, like the level of athletics was just incredible, um, and uh, we we were lucky to uh, our, our girls team was lucky to do pretty well while I was there, and and historically, I mean, the team has been great, and that's uh, all thanks to to Coach Stone and kind of the legacy that she's created. But um, yeah, I would I, for as a girl, I would compare it to playing for the Leafs for sure.
1: <laughs> oh, wow, wow, that's uh, like I know my son went to Miami, Ohio. And it was a little bit different there. It wasn't quite, uh, they didn't, probably didn't study as much as you had to at Harvard. Uh, But he had a chance to go to Cornell and I wanted them to go there, but they weren't going to pay for it all. And it would have cost me about uh, $25,000 a year or something. And then I talked to Mike Gartner after my son finally made the decision to go to Miami, Ohio. And he said, listen, Rick, if they want your son bad enough, they'll find a way to cover everything. And I went really, and he said, "Yeah, absolutely." And I, well, I said, "It's a little late now because he's going to Miami, Ohio." So, that's what happened there. And, uh, but you know what? He he really loved it, uh, you know, playing hockey at a university in the U.S. and and you know he, he was a good student too. So I got to say that uh, a lot better than I was. That's for darn sure.
0: He got it from his mother.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, and it's funny, we were talking on the bus, and I don't know how she knew that, but obviously someone she knows went to Acadia. I forget who – who did you say went to Acadia? And she goes, your wife went to Acadia, right? Like I'm going, like, how, how the heck do you know that? <laughs> well, but both my
2: parents – my both my parents went to Acadia. So my dad played hockey at Acadia oh. before he went to Sweden, but um, I – well – I was telling my dad rick on the bus i was like oh i was like oh my god i'm I'm sitting right behind rick Vive, like this is so cool and i like sent my dad this text and and um you know he was like well why don't you ask him about his wife because i'm pretty sure she went to acadia so that's why i i brought (laughs) i brought that up yeah but um but yeah your wife too was obviously was a was a great athlete too uh rick so uh, yeah
1: yeah she was pretty good and uh you know our both our boys inherited you know good genes as far as athletics and that sort of thing and uh my older one didn't pursue it he uh ended up well i mean i don't he's been in the liquor business i think for ever since he got out of school uh and uh but he, he loves it uh he loves being that type of person and going out with his and he's got 12 people working under him and, and they love him and they uh he treats him very well and and He's done a very, very good job, so I'm very proud of him and both my boys.
0: Now, Kaylee, uh, at school, take us through a typical day for you at Harvard during the season, from morning till dawn
2: <laughs> or tonight for I me. Mean. Yeah. Um, well, each each day actually was like was was kind of different depending on um, you know how our game how our games lined up. We always played Friday, Saturday, okay. um, but. Mm-hmm. Um, mondays were the worst because you you come off the high of the weekend and then monday you're starting the week again and so monday i'd probably our our class schedule kind of rotated so you'd either have like a monday wednesday friday class or a monday wednesday class and then a tuesday thursday and for me i tried my best to have no classes on friday because we always had a game friday night and a lot of our games were away so we'd be on the road but i just wanted like friday for me was like hockey day i didn't want to like have to worry about school at all so I tried to have my classes Monday, Wednesday, and then Tuesday, Thursday. And uh, so like a typical Monday, I I'd get up um, we, each uh, we kind of freshman year. So it, it's kind of I don't know if you guys have ever heard like Harvard's kind of like Hogwarts where we have these houses. And so you kind of get put into a house your second year. So my house was Dunster. And so, you know, I'd wake up and I'd go to Dunster dining hall for breakfast. And, you know, you'd, you'd meet a bunch of your your teammates, there, friends and then. It's off to class one, and, and I always tried to pick classes that had teammates in it because, you know, they really helped me pass quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> lucky. <Mark>. Uh, so <laughs> off to class, probably like, a, you know, like a, an hour and a half or two-hour class, grab lunch, go to your second class, and then uh, I would try to get to the rink as early as possible. I'd probably head down to the rink around three, get like a little snack, head down to the rink. And then we always rotated with, with the men's team. So either we had practice and then workout and then they would work out and then practice. So we, we, we'd we'd hit the gym on Monday and Wednesdays. And then Monday practice, you just dreaded because that's when we got our butts kicked. That was like our conditioning day. So we'd have an hour and a half practice, you know, just conditioning and then uh, back to the dining hall for a a late dinner. They would keep the dining hall uh, open later for, for our team, which was kind of cool because, they're only open between certain hours for the students and back to the dining hall for dinner. And then we, we just hung out in the dining hall most nights until like some of us until like midnight, just doing work and chatting and hanging out. And so um, that was pretty much every day. Yeah. Okay.
1: You say your classes were an hour to two hours long. How the heck could you keep your concentration yeah. for that long? Cause I certainly couldn't have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. It's so hard too. like with my laptop, it's like an hour and a half class. And all I want to do is watch hockey highlights. So like, I have like the NHL network on running on one side and then like trying to type. But to be honest, like I, I was so lucky to have good teammates. I'd be like, hey, toss me your notes from class today. Like, <laughs> so uh, we, we were, we were very helpful with each other in that regard. We, we always helped each other out and, and all that. Oh. You share
1: something well, with that's the what team, that, That's what About teammates it. do, right? You know? Yeah, of
2: course.
0: Yeah. Yeah, bring yeah, bring guys uh, gym bag to the bus when a guy doesn't make it home for the night at the hotel or something like that, isn't that <laughs>
2: <that's
0: good? laughs> so uh. Uh, really another thing, something about Harvard that would surprise the listeners. Hmm. I
2: would I would say like um for for everyone that I came across, like everyone expects like a lot of Harvard kids to be like kind of rich, spoiled brats, but the people I met were so down to earth and, and, and the families that I was able to, you know, you know, become a part of was, was just incredible. So I would say like just great people and, you know, everyone wants you to do so well, like whether it's like a teammate, another student, um, you know like a professor like just everyone wants you to succeed and so just like the support you feel when you're there was just mm-hmm. it was incredible. Yeah that's great mm-hmm. now yeah, what about and
1: not the- a, and and not a bad city either in Boston. Uh no. I mean you know how can you go wrong going to Boston? It's such a wonderful city to, to be in and uh, uh I mean I love Boston I don't know what it is about Boston but I remember when I was a teenager in PEI we got a lot of the Bruins and Red Sox games and everything there. So my buddies and I would always drive down to Boston. My roommate junior was from, lived in, in uh, outside of Boston, and we go down there every summer. Go to th- two or three Red Sox games. Of course, we had a few parties too, but uh, <laughs> we won't get into that because I, I think the first year I was underage. But
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. Squid those ones.
1: The, um... Well, I'll. T- I will tell you one story. My my yeah. roommate All right. lived out in Hull, outside of Boston. Yep. So my brother came with me one time. My, now my bro- I was nineteen, but my brother was seventeen. Okay, so we're going to a uh, Fourth of July party at one of my my roommate's buddy's place, but it's not going to start for a while because his parents are leaving at a certain time. So he's got to wait till his parents leave. So we go to this uh, amusement park and we go to the amusement park to kill a few hours. We're going around there and we come out and one of the guys wanted a beer. And of course the trunk was full of beer. The whole trunk, that's all there was, was beer in the trunk. So he opened the the trunk, he grabbed the beer and all of a sudden three cop cars pull right up. And I go, we're going like, what the heck is going on here? Like literally we get handcuffed, thrown in a car and thrown in jail. And I, and my brother's in a, a cell by himself away from us. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know if this is going to go very well. Because <laughs> <laughs> my And you know, it was just, it, we did, we got out okay and, and we had to go to court on the Monday and, pay a fine and and everything ended up okay but but I was really worried about him because he was only 17 he was all by himself in a different cell than all of us and I was like oh boy but everything worked out the worst part was they took our beer and we didn't get to the party
0: (laughs) that is that's devastating script that's that's (laughs) that's (laughs) the worst part about it (laughs) um Now talk about your competition that you guys played against Were the other programs as take it as serious as Harvard. And again, you know, the evolution of the game as it was getting bigger, as you said, from when you were a kid, could you see it growing over your four years at Harvard?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's funny. We were talking about this on the bus because one of the guys was like, you know, like for you, like, what, what was like, kind of what's the difference in hockey and like, you know, for, for us at least our, in our college days like for the most part you only play for one team right so you you just become consumed and absorbed into the culture of that team and you really don't learn the most that i learn about the other teams is what i learned from pay, playing against them and then my my yeah. friends pull on them right so you know like i'm sure like so many of my friends who went to like cornell or you know dartmouth or you know like yale for them i'm sure they were like well ours was the best team too right like yes, so
0: of course but
2: um no, it it was incredible. Like, so our division was the ECAC. And so we, we played against all the other Ivy league teams. Um, and then we were like Clarkson, St. Lawrence, Colgate union, Quinnipiac, um, RPI were the other six non Ivy leagues that, that comprised our, 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 division. But I mean, just traveling to other schools was, was so cool and just, you know, seeing how each school is so different, you know? And, um, um and so you get you kind of get to get to learn a little bit more about the schools and the little cities they're in which is so cool um but I I think the cool thing about the ECAC which I've kind of come to learn about from the time when I was getting recruited to now is um you know it's kind of like a cycle like you kind of get like a cycle of schools like I remember when I played um, you know, like Colgate wasn't very strong, but now like they're just dominant. And so I think it's really cool to see how like schools cycle between mm-hmm. like, you know, like maybe being a little bit more mm-hmm. at the bottom and then you see their programs build up to the top. Um, and, um, so yeah, each school is so different and it, it, it's really cool. It's, it, it's just really cool to see and, and be a part of.
0: Now we all know now, about what the, was that trophy that we,
1: that Oh, go ahead great. on your picture. What, 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 trophy was that, that, that I saw you on see. the picture?
2: Is that, uh, that would have been, pot? I think it was the bean pot. Yeah, that's the bean right. pot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of
1: figured that because I saw the pot on the top and I thought, okay, that's <laughs> got to be the bean pot. Yeah. Oh, that's
2: that's the bean bean pot. Yeah. Yeah. It was a bean pot was so cool. And, uh, the boys play at TD, but what we do, um, we re-rotate each year. So you get to host the bean pot at a different school all your four years. Oh. So we were so lucky. We hosted it our senior year, which was so cool. And, and we ended up winning it, which was just incredible. So uh, we always say we, we brought home the beans that, that, uh, <laughs> that, that tournament. Yeah, it, it was awesome. It was great. And, and we played. It was funny because we played BC in the final. And we played them at the beginning of the year and they just kicked our ass. Like, I don't even know what the score was, like, but they just bullied us. Like I, it felt like, I think it was like 10, one, they just destroyed us. And then, and then we beat them in the bean pot. I think it was three, two, or it was a close game. And uh, it, it was really cool. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: Now, speaking to oh, wow. some of the U.S. guys, some of your teammates. Now, we know about the hated rivalry between the American and the Canadian women's teams and basically all the teams, but especially the women. Yeah. Was there a little animosity sometimes with some of the till You got to know each other and started playing?
2: Honestly, none, like, like none at all. Um, and, and, uh, our team for the most part, we were mostly American. We had a few Canadian, we had mm-hmm. a few of us were Canadians, but we were mostly American, but you definitely can feel the difference when you get there between like the hockey culture, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like I yep. like just 100%. the Canadian versus like the American hockey culture was different, but, um, well, it's funny cause, uh, I had to take a year off cause I got a really bad concussion and the year I took off was the year before my senior year. And, that was the Olympic year. So I so I was home for for the year, but we also all of our Olympians were gone. So Lindsey Fry, Shelley Picard, Josephine Pucci, three U.S. Olympians. And then our coach, Katie Stone, was coaching the U.S. Olympic team that year. So it, it was it was such an interesting dynamic because I had three teammates and my coach were on the U.S. Olympic team. And then we had the Canadians, which obviously, like I obviously, am, I'm Canadian, and right. so when when they're that was the game where like that was a crazy game uh, where Canada came back to win it in overtime. But you know, like you're you're not really cheering for one team or the other. Like I want to see my teammates do well and my coach do well and win, and but you want to see Canada do well. So you know, I, I was lucky to kind of, uh, I guess, uh, I love both teams just because of that. So yeah. <laughs> now. Well, talk about
1: your time. You, you got to be careful, right? When you're in that situation, right? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Kaylee, talk about your time at the Arrows.
2: Oh yeah. No, the Arrows, the Arrows were great. I, I played four years with the Arrows, mm-hmm. um, two years and two years at U18, two years at the junior level. Um, and I really owe it to them. The They, they got me, they got me to Harvard. I mean, they, they believed in me, um, they developed me. I developed so much in that organization. I had great coaches, um, and great and great teammates. Holy, we had I had such good teammates, and and uh, you know they're all my my best friends today from the arrows. So um, uh, they they ran a great organization. Uh, we were dominant back then. I now it's kind of cool, like the girls, like the PWHL. It's a, it's they're like. Back then, like as far as I can like remember, like arrows were kind of like you know the, the team, and but now it's it's really cool to see like how much girls hockey has just developed because now like the competition level across the PWHL, like it's it's just spread so much more widely. So you, there there the competition is, is 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 much better. So, um, but the arrows was great. That was like such an incredible four years, and they they really made me a better hockey player.
1: So. So, well, Kaylee, I, you know what, I know you're good, you want to give all, all those people with the arrows credit, but you know what, you did it all and you got yourself to that level. I mean, I, you know what, all the players that make it to the big, the highest level, I mean, yes, you get help along the way, there's no question, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's up to that, that individual to do what they need to do in order to get to the top. and so don't sell yourself short. You, you did a lot of that yourself.
0: Thanks, Squid. Appreciate yeah, that, that. Yeah, that, that goes double for me, too. I yeah, <laughs> you are being very modest, very, very modest. Now, you know everything that's going on here, and you know where we're going to get to this at, at some point, Kaylee, women's hockey and at the, the professional level. What needs, If let's put this, I had two questions for you. I'm going to condense it to one, because you, I, if it was Squid and I, it'd be five questions, but you're, you can do it in one. What, if you were put in charge, what would what would in the perfect world, what would happen to women's pro league today or down the road?
2: I think I, I'm not as involved in at, at the professional level, no, but of course um, not.
0: Just your opinion.
2: But, so this, if anyone listens, like they don't know what the hell she's talking about. But <laughs> I think I think <laughs> one. Thing, <laughs> I think the one major thing that I would like to see is obviously we have two leagues that are kind of split, right? Like we have the P, the PW professional women's players mm-hmm. association. And uh, then we have the PHF, which is they, they used to be the NWHL, but um, now they're the professional hockey federation, uh, federation. Uh, anyways. Um, I, I think there needs to be one league, like the two leagues. Um, I think, I think it's a, I think it's detrimental to women's hockey because uh, we have this split. I think everyone just needs to come together and we need to make one league and um uh i think we need to i mean they've gotten better with with paying players more but you know like a lot of the girls that i like played with in college like from my experience and and they would say the same thing like when we're in college like you're like eat sleep breathing hockey right so like you're training hard and you have everything that you need to succeed but for a lot of these professional players like they're balancing you know like their full-time jobs and so it's really hard just to like Focus on hockey, so I think, I think that affects. I think that affects the the level of hockey, if that makes sense. Because girls aren't like practicing, training as much as you know we could before. I mean, some of these girls obviously can dedicate their entire day to hockey, but but uh, I think I think we need to come together as one is like the first step, and then uh, and then kind of go from there. Um, but it's getting better. Like each 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 year, it seems to just. It seems to get better, and um, you need to have the right people in charge. Digit Murphy's doing a great job. She's uh, she was she did the Toronto Six team, and now she's uh, she's uh, with uh, the Metropolitan Riveters, and she's really changing that program around too. Because the players want to feel like they're being treated like professionals, right? Mm-hmm. So um, she's doing a really good job changing changing that. So. Great. Now, A lot other people are listening. Be like, she doesn't know what the freak she's talking about. Right. We understood.
1: No, no, uh, okay, I, I gotta ask you. I mean, if you look at like let, let's look at the WNBA. Okay, how successful they are? Has anybody from, you know, the Women's Hockey Federation or whatever the heck, whatever the the Players Association, have they gone to the WNBA and kind of asked them? how they got, got to where they are today because they're very successful and they draw extremely well. Now I know they've got help from the, from the NBA, but I mean there, that might be the first step to go to them and find out exactly how they did it.
2: For sure. Like that's the model to follow. I agree. Um, I, I, I'm not sure squid if they've had talks with them, I think it would be a great idea. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm sure they've tried to pursue that because I agree. That's kind of like, you know, like a, a a great model that, um, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to follow. Um, but I think they just, I think things need to be simpler. Like even for me, like, like I, like I'm a female hockey player and sometimes like, it's hard for me to like get the acronyms straight, you know what I mean? (laughs) And it's like, let's just make it simple and, and, and easy. And, um, um, you know, um, yeah. So,
0: no, put it all under one umbrella so that people yeah. can follow it. It's, yeah, exactly. So it's not all over the place.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and you want to be able to, de- to develop like, you know, like, you know, like a team culture, like, like, you know, like the like the rivalry between the NHL teams is so cool. Like, you know, like I'm a Leaf fan, like I'm, you know, yeah. Canadians. If we could get that in the women's game, that would be huge. And I, I don't think we're there exactly. yet, but if we, if we can get that, like, team culture out there and like you know like those rivalries like that would be that would be great it's really hard with like the professional women's league like the pwpha right now because their their teams like they they travel and they do these dream gap tours which is fantastic like it's it's great but it's really hard to connect with like a specific team because Mm -hmm. their team names change right and 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 the rosters tend to change too so
0: Well, it's funny, a couple of years ago, they were going to have the Isabel Cup in Lake Placid. Now, the funny thing about it is I'd come to Florida for two weeks and then go home for seven months because of the pandemic and it kept setting the city down. Now, I was talking to the guys at the Toronto Sun who followed me when I called it, followed the Leafs that one year. And so I I wrote a column for them. And I suggested to, we have a place in Saranac Lake that uh, we have an inn there. And so it's only seven miles from Lake Placid. So I called Lance and I said, listen, if I go up there, it's only a short flight from florida i'll cover it for you guys because you can they couldn't cross anybody across the border and so he talked to the editor and i said but you'll have to fix it i'll make all the notes so i kaylee and rick my dream of being uh, i was going to be a media guy i was in and came crashing down because they played a couple of games and the tournament was cancelled because Because of COVID. Because of a couple yeah. of games. but i'll tell you that format looked fantastic because it was a tournament environment it was late placid it was going to get exposure best play well supposed the best players are there but I don't know I was trying to figure it all out because I was doing research on it but get it to that level and then all of a sudden because let's let's get into the Olympics. The Olympics becomes a two-team tournament and it's shocking that the Scandinavian nations aren't better than they are. Especially because going back deep rooted is there in athletics. I, it's just shocking that they haven't caught up. But are they catching up?
2: I think they are yeah I think I think they're starting to catch up. Um, which would be so great to see, like, if we could make like the Olympics, like, obviously, like, you know, like it is for like the rivalry, the rivalry in the world juniors, like, I mean, that would be incredible. It's, it's so true. It's, it's a two team thing right now. Right. And, um, but I, I, the, the European countries are, they're, they're getting better. They are getting there. Um, and we're seeing more Europeans. Like when I played at, at Harvard, we had one European girl on our team, um, my whole, like, yeah, my whole four years. And so we're starting to see more Europeans, like, get over to the NCAA, which I which I think is great, too. So um, it's getting there.
1: It's great. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at the men, like, there's, there's so many Europeans that come over to play college hockey in the U.S. Or, or the USHL, and then they go on to college hockey. and But there's no place, really, for the women to come over and play before – getting to college so they got to have people obviously looking at them overseas in order to get them over here i guess
2: yeah yeah exactly exactly and, and those like those those international tournaments help right like just for exposure but 100 uh rick yeah like getting them somewhere to like develop before they get to the college the college mm-hmm. path
0: mm-hmm well, because then it'd be easier if you could follow the player from just like a hockey player they follow mm-hmm. the guy in minor hockey to junior to if they end up in the minor leagues or they play call whatever they do and then end up as a pro there's a path yeah and you see it in that's why football's so successful in the us because you know you get high school football friday night college 30 and the nfl on sunday and it, it, the people can see the progression yeah so you know women's hockey instead of trying to be to d go to a b c then get there you know so i mean Something like that Isabel tournament, which I know goes on all the time, but make a big focus like that and build the game from there. You rather wouldn't you rather have six really competitive teams play hard against each other for a weekend than twelve sort of also rans?
2: Yeah, like okay, exactly. Li- yeah. yeah.
1: Listening to you, Mike, you should be the commissioner.
2: Yeah, get in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mike Mike Bettman. <laughs> well, don't give me that, handle. No, no, I I wouldn't do that for
0: you, Mike. Thanks. 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 Kelly.
2: No, no, I I completely agree. I I mean like a lot of the talent obviously is split right now. And, um, um, I, yeah, I agree. Like, you know, like six strong teams and, and, and the travel makes it hard too. Right. Like, especially like for like, you know, like we have, there's a Minnesota team in, in the PHF and, um, you know like especially for for women who might you know have you know their different careers you know they might have shift work whatever they're doing it, it makes it hard to to like travel on you know a weekend for for a couple games so even if the teams like were you know um like closer it was it, if it became more mm-hmm. like accommodating but it, it, it's hard it, it's really hard but um hopefully no, it gets
0: I'm, it. I'm with I'm with you and I mean I think that's I mean that that just seems to be it's all over the place. And, you know, again, we were beating a dead horse here. But, I mean, if we could just consolidate it all and keep it as one, I think you start from there and you're going to get – it'll get that snowball effect because then fans will have something to relate to it. especially if you have rivalries. If you have Toronto against Montreal, Boston against Buffalo and all these type of inter rivalries are already there, they're already in place. Yeah. So just take advantage of them.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's hard enough to have a team in Minnesota. I mean, come on. Like <laughs> – I mean, Minnesota is kind of the state of hockey in the U.S. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I know a lot of hockey is played in the East and, and in the, uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, you know, all over that area. But Minnesota, it's pretty hard not to have a, a women's team in Minnesota, I would think. I, I know it's tra- a lot of travel, but, um, again, uh, I, I think it's pretty difficult not to have a team there.
2: Totally, totally yeah, no totally squid, especially like the university is there, right? Like they're producing so many.
1: Yeah.
2: They, there's so many hockey players come out of there. Um, no, I completely agree. Um, but just yeah, somehow making it easier for you know the woman to, to travel back and forth. It's just yeah, it's I think it's just gonna take time. Take time mm-hmm. and work out all the kinks.
0: So Kaylee, your latest what you're doing now, PhD. How's that standing, and where are you coming with all of that? And what are plans once you do get that certificate?
1: You're going to be that, the greatest woman in the world.
0: <laughs> well, it's going to be the greatest one on this podcast. That's no
1: question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's a different. <dividend>. Well,
2: <laughs> no, my teammates, I think they laugh at me that I'm still in school because they're like, Army, what the hell? Like, you were like the worst student on the team. What the hell are you still doing in <laughs> school? Uh, but, uh, yeah. I have, I have one more year left of my PhD, so I'm hoping to wrap that up um, in 2023. And then um, I, I like, I, it's funny, like I'm still in school. I love coaching. Like I love it. And uh, I, I work a lot. Uh, yeah. With first nations kids and in, in the London, Ontario region. And I work a lot with the London devilettes. Um, I coached their U18 tier one team last year, which was, which was awesome. And yeah, uh, um, so I just I just wrap up school and then kind of kind of figure out where to go from there and um, whether it's something in hockey or something not I'm not sure but uh, but uh, yeah no it's it's uh, it's it's going good so far
0: so you would like to stay involved in the game like that was going to be my next question
2: yeah yeah absolutely um, yeah I want to stay involved for sure I mean and and these pitchers it's so cool like those are like you know a bunch of my First Nations kids that I coach that's at the Little NHL which is like a huge first nations tournament in ontario it's awesome there's like hundreds of kids there playing and and so i, I love coaching the youth i absolutely love it um and um yeah well wow, the smiles uh, alone are
0: worth it, it. the
1: smiles on those pictures are worth it alone yeah, yeah they just for
2: the pictures, i'm like oh my god yeah it's
1: yeah um, it's, no, it's nice good. to see i mean i know we do a lot of those things with as leaf alumni we go to communities uh, and do uh It used to be called uh, hockey in the neighborhood. I forget what they call it now. Um, But the sad part is, is going there, we give them sticks, equipment and everything. But there's some really good players uh, that could play double, triple A in the GTHL, but they can't afford it. You know, and and it's pretty sad. I've I've been to uh, several of them, and I've seen some really good 10, 11-year-old kids and I'd go talk to them and see where, they, where they're play, And unfortunately, they're playing minor hockey in like house league because they can't afford to go to the GTHL. And, you know, if I had the money, I'd give it to them to go and play in the GTHL just to see them live their dream or at least have an opportunity to, but it's very unfortunate that, uh, you know, that that has to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And that's kind of um, like the, the hockey school that I run um, I called it, it's Armstrong hockey. It's I did it in like the legacy of my grandpa. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, like he, he used to tell, like, I obviously like learned a, a bunch about his life growing up and my grandpa was poor. Like my grandpa was so poor growing up. And, and the fact that he was able to make it to the NHL is incredible. And, you know, I kind of, sometimes when I think about, his living situation in today's age, I, sometimes I think like, you know, maybe it would have been a little bit more of a struggle just with how expensive it is to play. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, so, yeah. So, um, you know, what, what I try to do with my hockey school is I'm really lucky to, to get a lot of uh, donations and stuff, but we try to offer, um, training and, um, you know, I try to help, help with registration fees and, uh, equipment because, it, it, it's hockey's so expensive and especially for these, these first nations kids, like giving them as many opportunities as we can to, to um, to succeed in hockey um, is is incredible. And even like Rick, like you saw like this weekend, like just being in, and when it and with TTN there in Cochrane, like just, you know, being amongst like the youth, it's just, they love hockey. They absolutely love hockey and they're so passionate about it. So for the Leafs yeah. to be there is, is uh, that's an experience those kids will never forget um so
1: well it's funny i just saw i, I don't know the gentleman's name but i saw it on tv the other day uh, where he brought a bunch of hockey equipment sudbury and a couple of other areas uh for youth kids that couldn't afford it like bags and bags of hockey equipment and sticks and, and everything I, I don't know where it got it uh, obviously people donated it and uh, that was really nice to see and i wish I wish more businesses or organizations would get behind those types of things because, you know, like I said, uh, there's so many good hockey players out there that never get that opportunity because they can't afford to play at a high level. And yeah, it's sad. It really is.
2: Totally, and 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 even like so many indigenous communities, especially the northern ones, like yeah. they can't start playing until like they're they're it's cold enough for like the ice to freeze. And like, mm-hmm. they, they can't even play on a rink, like they, they can play indoor hockey. And so they miss out on so much development. And so just being able to build infrastructure in, in, in more Northern communities, just so these kids can have these opportunities because I, I really do think the game saves saves people. And uh, I think it could, you know, make a make a big impact, especially in, in those communities, so.
1: Yeah, I totally now, agree with you 100%. Now, I guess my next, it's not really a question, but, you know, why don't NHL teams in Canada do a little bit more for those communities and and that sort of thing? You know, I, I, I often wonder that why they don't do a little bit more.
2: I I think I think it's just like developing relationships. Like, you know, it, it might be people don't people don't know, you know, um, and even like just like the relationships that I think the alumni developed this weekend you know, like, yeah. you know, with, with these communities, like, you know, with um, like Brad may had been to TTN before. Um, um, so, and all the kids were there. so happy to see again. Yeah. You were there before yeah. and they remember, right. They remember those, those experiences. Um, so I think just like keeping these relationships going and um, just continuing to develop them. And there's a lot of the X NHL guys that do a lot of uh, stuff with, with communities like, you um, I know like John Chabot's doing a bunch of stuff and uh um, yeah. obviously like the Nolans do a bunch of good stuff as well. Um so yeah, it's just keep keeping the relationships going, I think. Growing well, the relationships.
0: So for anybody out there listening, is there a spot if somebody has old hockey equipment or somewhere that you actually have killer? You can it can be sent or something, not to your house, but is there somewhere somebody can do something?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like there's there's definitely um Like I did a thing a couple of, well, I've done like maybe a year ago where um, uh, the Calgary flames uh, bank sent me a bunch of equipment that I gave to some kids in the community, which was really cool. Um, Yeah. It's just finding the right people to like send to, but I know a bunch of Northern communities need equipment. Um, uh, A hockey school I work with in London, they've been working um, up in the Yukon and they said these kids like barely have any sticks. Like they don't have sticks where they can, there's like a bunch of lefties, but the kids don't have right-handed sticks, and so I think it's just like finding the communities that that need the equipment and and getting it out to them and um, finding those contacts. But um, it's definitely there's definitely a need for sure. Okay.
0: Well, yeah. folks listening, don't throw your stuff out. We have a spot for it. You can contact us and we'll try and find a spot for you. Okay. So send it to Ultimate Fan at one of our sites and we'll find something for it. We'll find, we'll get it to a good home, believe me. And we'll even have somebody come and pick it up. Squid will drive in from Niagara Falls and we'll get it. No, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I will do that. Absolutely. We
0: will come and pick it up. If somebody has stuff they want to give away to help these kids, we would do something along those lines. So we've taken up a lot of your time, Kaylee. but uh, so we're getting near that time is not our friend again, but any final thoughts before we let her go, Squid?
1: Um, no, well, maybe she'd like to come with us again. I think we're going up to, uh, gosh, I forget the name of the place now. Um, Garson. No, um, you got to fly up there.
2: Uh, oh, were you guys going to go to Thunder Bay?
1: No, okay. gosh, I, my, my mind's a blank right now. It's a uh, indigenous, uh, place. Uh, where you have to fly in, you can't drive there. You got to go by train or fly. And I, I've been there many times uh, for different things, and I can't remember what it is. But so maybe maybe when we go there, I think we're going there in February. Then uh, uh, hopefully, Bear will get a hold of you and invite you to come with us again because it, that place is wonderful to go to and and uh, see the kids up there and and uh, be able to go up there and put on a little bit of a show for them. It's it's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. And I can't uh, remember
1: the name of the place. Like, Moose Factory. That's it. Moose Factory. Moose it. factory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Moose yeah, Factory. He's, so, we've been there. up there several times. I went there on my own one time for uh, something they had. They had things in the gymnasium for universities and businesses and all that. And I spoke to the kids up there, and uh, our team has gone up there, our alumni, several times. I believe we're going again in February and uh it's always fun to go up there so they they treat you like kings when we go up there the people are so wonderful and and we have a great time so maybe you can come with us (laughs) kaylee
2: i would i would love to grandpa always used to go up to moose factory he'd go up and visit the community up there and uh i have pictures of him like in uh like a tuberculosis hospital with a bunch of uh indigenous kids and so uh that would that would go full circle i'd love i would love to to join you guys
1: well I'll let Bear know that
0: <laughs> and get on the phone to Drew right away there and Bear uh you know squid and get, get that happening well Kaylee we can't thank you enough for joining us today you are a wonderful guest we didn't think otherwise by the way we knew you're going to be good and take this right along the same you got the great lineage you came on you're fantastic best of luck to you going further with your PhD and hopefully we'll
2: see you in hockey one day thank you guys so much like total honor speaking with you and I really appreciate it great happening